Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 106, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And as always, we like to bring you interesting discussions with diverse voices and to help us out with the discussion today, we've got a we've got a proper panel uh, here today. So let me let me go through the names. So first, uh, let me introduce Jason and Rich, hosts of the Wulong Talks podcast. Welcome back, guys. Hey, hey. And we have both. We have both hosts. This is like, I don't know, it's not a first, but it's a first in a while. We've got both hosts of Wulong Talks with us. So uh, I know Rich was uh, last with us on episode 81, where we had a good discussion uh, about Wonder Woman. Shang-Chi. Oh, is it Shang-Chi? Jeez. Yeah. yeah. That's not too yeah. long. That's not too bad. True. But that was just you. Like I said, we've got like both hosts now. This is this is special. Um, and uh, then we yeah, also I mean, I mean, joined by I mean... Luca in that episode as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. No, sorry. I'm. I'm talking. I'm. Talk, I'm. You know. I'm still not used to being in a group of people. So yeah. Let me just shut up. <laughs> Carry on, Nigel. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. And then uh, also in on the discussion is uh, Vic Deluca from Mega City Comics. Vic, welcome back. Hey, Nigel. Thank you so much for inviting me, or shall I say, uh, accept my self-invitation to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we... <laughs> because I really wanted to talk about this movie, so thank you. I got that impression, so yeah, <laughs> good to have you. Uh, so Vic was with us when we spoke about Eternals uh, for episode 85, uh, and as we like to do when we talk uh, comic book films, we get experts in, so these are the kind of episodes where I can just shut up and listen. Uh, and ask questions so should be a should be an easy one for me uh, but let me do some talking before we get into all of that so you can subscribe to story x story on apple podcasts on spotify and wherever you get your podcast from uh, and as always you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com you can throw your thoughts at us on social media because we are at myamada on twitter at myamada tv on instagram and tiktok or at tazzy on all the above also have the option of joining the studio 77 discord to be part of the my matter universe uh, and meet others in the community and you can consider becoming a studio 77 member to support the work that we do uh, at my matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork too so before we get into today's story discussions let's keep you updated with the latest from the my matter universe <laughs> As we are now doing each month, we have a new series called Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. Uh, every month, I will be talking to a new comic creator about their work, the craft of storytelling, and just generally try and get a sense of the human being behind the art that we enjoy. Uh, so uh, I aim for around the first Tuesday in June. So that would be the seventh, sorry, the first Tuesday of the month. So in June, that would make it uh, the seventh uh, conversation start at half 7 p.m bst um and we are looking to confirm our guests for next um month so stay tuned to find out who that will be make sure you follow us on twitch uh follow us on social media uh join our mailing list there's many ways to be uh, updated but once we have that guest confirmed we will be letting people know uh so with our video games we talked about uh doing our halo games night we then tried, we then <laughs> failed, uh, all technology failed us. We didn't fail. We were there. We were ready. Technology failed us. Um, so we're going to try that again. So we're going to be having another attempt 
at Halo Infinite, hopefully with all the tech issues sorted. So that will be uh, now our June games night, and hopefully that goes smoother than uh, the events that unfolded. But if you would like to check out those events, uh, I think they are still available on VOD. You can see exactly how many tech issues we had to go through before we had to call uh, an end to that. Uh, but then you can also check out the highlights from past games nights that did go well. So we've played games like Roblox, like Fortnite, um, we've played uh, Among Us uh, and also uh, Identity V. We've played a bunch of games. So all those highlights will be going up on our YouTube uh, page if it's not there already. And definitely check out the next games night because I have a feeling that one will go smoothly. Uh, so we also have our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. Uh, so make sure you're following us online on social media. Uh, check out the website looklikeagamer.com and you can see the 40 players and makers that we have showcased uh, to highlight diversity in the games industry and inspire young and aspiring uh, games professionals, uh, letting them know there's a place for them in the industry too. Uh, so our launch live stream segments are up on youtube and we have a bunch of activities and events coming over the summer uh, so we have the london comic-con panel where tazzy and i will be leading a discussion on the live stage with guests across game production development and esports uh, looking to bust myths and stereotypes in gaming culture so that's going to be saturday the 28th of may from 6 p.m we then have the Family Games Design Jam, where we'll be giving young people and parents, guardians, the opportunity to discover the game design process along with industry professionals uh, by making their own tabletop game. So this will all take place at the Redmond Community Center on Saturday, the 4th of June from midday. So it's a free event, but space is limited. So make sure you sign up either as a team uh, of up to four people or as an individual, and we will place you on the day and then our last event well actually no it's not a last event but uh last event for now event of the uh, campaign is our cupcake and gamepad social where we're bringing networking to the forefront and providing a low pressure kind of low stakes fun opportunity for young people those new to networking to network with peers and uh, professionals uh, as well so you'll be able to meet others and those who work in the industry over some desserts and friendly gaming competition so this is an event that's going to take place at the samsung kx building in king's cross on saturday the 2nd of july from 4 p.m BST and it's another free event. So the campaign is proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and Splash Damage, allowing us to put all these events on and making sure we can reach people who might not always get opportunities uh, like these. So that's what we're working on at the moment. Now you're all caught up with my matter. Let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week. We have a message from Splash Damage for you, who are one of our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign sponsors, and they're currently hiring. So the London-based studio recently announced work on a number of new titles built in Unreal Engine 5. Which looks amazing, by the way. I don't know if you've seen that, Tessie. It's, I'd say stunning. Stunning is a word I'd use for that. I've seen a little bit and um, had a few discussions about it recently. Were it discussions about how stunning it is? Yeah, and a lot <laughs> of people looking forward to what what comes out of gaming with Unreal Engine 5. More Keanu Reeves, I think. 
<laughs> so you might know Splash Damage from their work on Dirty Bomb, the Gears of War franchise, Brink or Wolfenstein, Enemy Territory. But the studio is beginning an exciting new chapter with its own games and own IP. And it's looking for talented and ambitious people to join them. That means you, John, Alice, James. I don't know, I think I'm hitting people with this, <laughs> but you know, anyone listening. They offer in-studio hybrid and remote working options. So you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more. I like that they offer different ways of working. I think that's very inclusive of them. Very inclusive. What's your favorite way to work, Tazzy? Uh, I'm probably a hybrid person. Keep it mixed up a bit. Yeah, I like some hybrid. Keep people guessing. Is he yeah. going to be in? Is he not going to be in? Who knows? <laughs> Anyone's guess. So again, you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more. So this is the part of the podcast where we have a spoiler-free discussion about what stories people have been reading, watching, or playing. Uh, so we will start with our guests. So we'll start with Wu Long Talks, Jason and Rich. One of you can go first. Jason. <laughs> Jason can go first. <laughs> uh, yes, well, the beauty before age, isn't it? So, um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's been a couple of things really that I've been enjoying over the uh, past couple of weeks. I, I recently was able to watch a, a couple of movies because I've made a, a pledge to myself to try and spend some time investing a little bit more in in kind of independent films and uh, smaller productions and British productions and in particular kind of stories that come from voices that you don't see too often uh, on the big screen so with that in mind I, I picked out a couple of movies that I could watch with uh, my family the first one was uh, a movie called Boxing Day written and directed by uh, Amil Amin who uh, is quite well known in the UK for his work in things like The Bill um, and, and other kind of TV shows. He was also in uh, Kid Adulthood, the Noel Clark film. And he also was in the first season of Sense8 from uh, the Wachowski siblings as well. So quite well known. This is his first kind of uh, directorial debut as a, as a filmmaker. So he wrote the, the script himself uh, and directed the film. It's a romantic comedy set over uh, the Boxing Day in, in a particular year. And it deals with uh, Emil's character, who is a successful writer, who uh, returns home with his uh, fiance, who he has proposed marriage to, who he doesn't know is pregnant, and then bumps into his ex-girlfriend uh, while he's over there. And uh, this causes tensions and uh, awkward scenes between uh the family and um yeah it's not a good movie bottom line <laughs> it wasn't very good unfortunately it was a movie that i really wanted to enjoy but i just felt i couldn't enjoy felt very inauthentic in places and it was disappointing to say that because it, from a, a background point of view uh I felt there would have been a lot of similarity between what I experienced growing up in London and and what these characters were supposedly experiencing. Um, but it just felt incredibly inauthentic and, and unrealistic to me. And that's aside from just some really bad writing and some bad acting and just not a good look at all. So 
So yeah, I really cannot recommend Boxing Day to anybody. Um, the other movie I saw was uh, Pirates, which is the directorial debut of Reggie Yates. Um, some people will know him from uh, his DJ days and, and from his work on radio. Others will know him from his documentary work and the things he's done for the BBC. But his directorial debut is is a comedy called uh, Pirates, which is kind of set on Millennium Night, so uh, New Year's Eve 1999, which was a big night in particular uh, in the garage music scene, if you were a fan of, of that scene. Um, and it's about these three friends who are essentially trying to decide what they're going to do on this night and decide that they're going to try and get into, you know, one of the biggest club nights of, of the year on, on that particular night. And the kind of misadventures that they get up to and, and the trials and tribulations that, that put a strain on their friendship as they attempt to kind of get into this this nightclub on the night. And overall, I thought it was quite a fun experience. It was a real kind of nostalgia kick for me because uh, that is an era I kind of grew up in. And uh, I've always been a big fan of the garage music scene as well. You know, it, it, it spoke to me a lot more than Boxing Day did uh, in terms of feeling a little bit more authentic and a little bit more of something that I could relate to personally. Um, but it's also just fun as well. It does actually ha have some some quite funny scenes, which I, I felt Boxing Day didn't have. That said, it, it is very much reliant on the nostalgia and an understanding of, of that era. And if you don't understand that area or you don't understand that scene, then you probably won't be that interested in the plot because the plot is is very, very basic. But it is quite enjoyable. There, there is things to enjoy there. And I think Reggie Yates does have some talent as a director. So I hope he will get up to uh, something else in, in the future. And uh, lastly, I started watching Spy X Family, the uh, anime adaptation of, of the popular manga series. And I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, I guess everybody kind of knows because it's like one of the big crossover hits at the moment so i'm sure everyone knows the, the the plot inside out so i won't bother boring you with the details but i've really enjoyed the dynamic between the uh secret agent and uh, his pretend wife and pretend child anya in particular is really really funny and really cute as well she's a really likable character so uh, I'm really enjoying it, to be honest with you. Um, I, I needed something, I think, like this after Attack on Titan, which has, has just been heavy, heavy, <laughs> heavy going. So, um, yeah, I, I needed something quite light and, and, and fun to, to kind of sit in with. And, and this has been it. So, yeah, that has been me. And um, Rich, what have you been? What have I been up to? I've been, well, much like Jason, I've been catching up on the films that I missed during... The COVID period. I, I, I did see Pirates. I saw Pirates when it first came out on Netflix. But the, and I, I did enjoy it as well, um, especially considering that the night that it was set on, um, I actually do remember that night because I actually spent that New Year's Eve with Jason as well. But that's a podcast in itself. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, I've been just catching up on some films. So the last film I watched, which I do need to finish because I started at the wrong time and it is nearly three hours long, was Dune by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, that's how you pronounce his name. And I'm loving it. I, like, I miss I miss proper science fiction, what I consider, like, science fiction that doesn't necessarily have to have, like, laser swords and spaceships and pew-pew, laser beam guns and stuff like that. So I'm really enjoying that. I was a big fan of um, Blade Runner 2049 as well, uh, although I know a lot of people weren't. So I'm going to go finish that at some point. And the other film I did catch up with before that was uh, Doctor Sleep, which was the sequel to the, um, the Stanley Kubrick movie The Shining. And... Mm. 
I actually mentioned this on our last podcast on what like mine and Jason's podcast, We Long Talks, but I didn't say this bit and it might cause a bit of controversy. I haven't seen The Shining in a little while, but I have to say that I did enjoy the so far I think I enjoyed the deceit better than The Shining. So um you know whoever wants to have a discussion about that, um yeah, when you're ready. <laughs> we'll give them your email. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I will say after watching that movie is number one, you McGregor, I, I always forget how good of an actor he is. And also What's the name of the director who did this film again? Uh, the director is Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. There you go. Mike Flanagan. So, yeah. So, basically, Mike Flanagan, I know he's done quite a few horror um, TV shows on, on Netflix, which I haven't watched yet because I'm not a big horror fan. I, you know, but I will go back and watch it now after watching Dr. Sleep. But after watching Dr. Sleep, the one thing I will say is that give this man an X-Men movie. Give him, a, give him an X-Men movie. <laughs> like, anybody who hasn't seen Dr. Sleep... Trust me, just I'm not going to say anything about it. Just go and watch it. And about halfway through, when it starts becoming a, you know, a horror movie about people using their powers to fight, it's literally just Professor X and Jean Grey versus you know this person and that person. And I found it really, really enjoyable. I was actually quite surprised. Um, so film-wise, I've been doing that. Um, I've also been going back and picking up a few old-school comics that I didn't read back in the day, or some that I did read, but I, I need some original copies. So um, I've got Marvels by Alex Ross sitting there. I've never actually read the whole story from beginning to end. And that is basically, it follows the photographer throughout the years of like the golden age of Marvel comics. So like, you know, basically specific periods in time. So the first appearance of the Fantastic Four, Gwen Stacy dying off the Golden Gate Bridge after she gets pushed off by the Green Goblin, the reemergence of like the Submariner. So I've got that to read. And the other thing I got to read was a, an Electra four-issue mini, four series called Electra Root of Evil. And it's drawn by Scott McDaniel, who I think is a very, very undersold artist and written by DG Chichester. It didn't do very well, or that actual run of Daredevil didn't do well during that period. But when you go back and you watch the Daredevil TV show on Netflix... They seem to have taken a lot of inspiration from that period of Daredevil. So it just goes to show that sometimes you just got to have the patience and uh, not listen to the naysayers. And yeah, that's what all, all I've been up to. Nothing computer game wise. I'm a bit, I think I'm getting old. But, um, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> Do you know what? Doctor Sleeps, well, I'm not a horror person. I don't watch horror movies, really. Yeah. Uh, apart from really, 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 really terrible ones that yeah. are so bad that they're funny. But Doctor Sleeps, one that I wanted to watch, it didn't look so scary. So I need to, that reminds me that I actually need to go back on. Yeah, definitely give it. It's, it's not scary like that. It, it's it's a horror movie because of X, Y, and Z, but it's not like, you know, yeah. you're going to have to sleep with all the lights on and or like with a baseball bat underneath your bed or anything like that. It's not scary like that. <laughs> yeah, I like follow a, a horror YouTuber, but I, so I just get the gist of horror things from, from her. <laughs> about watching them because i like horror-esque i just don't like actually watching them <laughs> uh vic let's listen to what stories you've been consuming recently yeah i mean i usually like to do sort of one playing one reading one watching sort of the triad of hobbies <laughs> um but uh, i'll glancely <laughs> it's fine that rich said you know we're getting old and i thought i was up until elder ring came out and then he pulled me right back in, kind of feel like a teenager again with this game. <laughs> and uh, it's everything I ever wanted in a game. It's uh, 
it's beautiful it's epic it's uh challenging uh it's how i like my fantasy i like my fantasy to be epic and bigger than life uh and this is definitely it but sure that there's been hours and hours and days and years worth of podcasts about Elden Ring, so I won't go into it. I'd rather spend a bit more time on what I'm actually reading and a great movie that I watched. So I've been reading Sakamoto Days, uh, which is a manga series, first serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump. I think this was, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty recent. I think the series was out 2020 and it's now out in English speaking countries. It's quite a fun premise. It's fairly simple. It's uh, it's a hitman that found the love of his life and he retires, and he opens uh, uh, basically on a license. You have and, me at uh, Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> he gets fat and uh, he <laughs> sort of like he's living the good life, and then obviously he gets dragged back in. Uh, yeah, but this guy, this. <laughs> yeah, he does not miss a shot. He's still a <laughs> cold stone killer. And uh, but he's vowed not to kill again. So uh, I think the, the the fun part about the manga is also that his um, his companion can actually read minds and sort of see the future. Is sort of clairvoyant, and that makes it for a lot of very inventive uh, story devices. Because sometimes the mangaka will literally visualize what the protagonist would do if he could kill. So. You have a lot of very fun situations. And yeah, it's just a wholesome, action-packed series. Uh, I'm really enjoying a lot of humor in mangas nowadays. Uh, they don't take themselves too seriously. And they really are for everybody. You got it so, stopped yeah. in Mega City? Yeah, I, please I'm do. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> utterly sold me on this. Uh, you had, like I said, you had me a hitman. But when I, I love the concepts of like, the like hitman or the the expert who like retired and it had to get dragged back in reluctantly and it just shows everyone uh what it could do so i'm totally in i'm there i'm coming to get this it's it's great you'll love it i'm really happy that uh you like the sound of that and then i hope that you're gonna like the sound of this because i want everybody to go at the cinema and watch everything everywhere all at once Mm. i think this showed up in Maybe my all-time favorites. I have nothing wrong to say about this movie. It's it's a family drama. It's a very personal story, and it's uh, it's all garnished by this you know fantasy, sci-fi, multi-dimensional story. It's inventive. It's creative. It's crazy. It's off the walls. Very adult. Not not just in terms of violence, but some of the stuff in there. I want. Massive, but if you did watch the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And it's been a long time since I've seen something so creative in the cinema. It reminds me of sort of Scott Pilgrim and, you know, mm. cult movies that don't do well in the cinema. And then everybody says they're amazing. They buy the Blu-ray. So this is your chance to go watch this movie at the cinema. And if you like anything in pop culture, you will love this movie. There is nothing else I can say about it. It's, it's, it's full of stuff. It's packed. I mean... Michelle Yeoh, she's amazing. She's always great. But in this one, this movie feels very personal. Uh, yeah, so I, I really can't say more about it without spoiling the whole thing. Just absolutely go watch it. It's definitely on my watch list. It's mm-hmm. been on my radar for a while now. And yeah, now it's out. I've seen lots yeah. of good things about it. So yeah, definitely yeah. going to... 
it's um the production studio is a twenty uh, a forty two I think a forty two, and yeah. they've been producing bangers one after the other. I think they produced Midsummer, and yeah, they really know who to give the money to. Because uh, Daniels, uh, the director for this movie, this movie was a really hard movie to direct, an extremely hard movie to juggle personal feelings and family drama with over-the-top kung, kung fu fighting and, and multidimensional sort of, you know, craziness in such a phenomenal way. I can see how some people might be tired from the movie. It's quite a long movie. And when you realize how long it is, you kind of get scared because it's packed with things. Mm. But if you like the creative side of it, you can't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I watched the second Kingsman, Kingsman and the Golden Circle, uh, just last night, actually. And I love these films. <laughs> I just, I love the, um, I love the way they're made. Because they just, they're like, if comic books were a film, this is them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, if you've seen the first Kingsman, it's it's just more more of that. <laughs> <laughs> just with, uh, just, yeah, adding layers onto that. And I, I now I just need to watch the, the prequel. I also started watching the series Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which is a spin-off series of Once Upon a Time, and it is terrible. Uh, <laughs> nothing like the series. It totally misses the mark of the of the main series, but I'm still watching it all through because I've started it now, and I love Alice in Wonderland things, and I love Once Upon a Time, so I'm like, I gotta finish it. Is that guilty pleasure? Um, it's not even really that much of a pleasure at this point. It's more of an <laughs> obligation. <laughs> so take that as you will. And I also watched Senior Senior Year on Netflix with Rebel Wilson, which is like the story of a cheerleader who thinks they're going to have a perfect, perfect life and then doesn't. And it's actually really enjoyable. It's quite a like 90s chick flick throwback but like modern comedy and it's it's just hilarious um i really enjoyed it but i have to say the 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 actor they cast for a younger rebel is perfect <laughs> like she is so good i was like did they just get like a time machine because <laughs> i could really see this being a younger rebel um <laughs> Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. It's just like a nice little fun chick flick type thing. And then I've been reading the very cleverly titled Murder Any Which Way, which is about a young witch living in a small town in America and trying to hide that she's a witch. Meanwhile, all these murders are, um, all these murders are happening uh, when a supernatural festival comes to town. And some people believe in witches, some people don't. It's a set in a modern time. And I'm just really enjoying the, like, murder mystery. But the main protagonist is a witch. And I'm so down for it, because <laughs> I love that sort of thing. I mean, it's not like the best written book. And me, if I'm saying that, then it really isn't. There's mistakes that I'm noticing. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I could be an editor. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just obvious mistakes <laughs> and like 
just a lot of use of like unnecessary unnecessarily long sentences that I feel like I've watched enough Grammarly adverts <laughs> no not to write the app. <laughs> <laughs> no but I don't think it really ruins the overall experience because it's it's a light read anyway so yeah uh, but that's me so Nigel what about you so I'm going to mention a couple quick things and then I'm going to get to the thing that I really want to talk about so I finished Moon Knight which is great if you haven't seen it highly advise it it feels like a great blend of it it feels familiar obviously sort of in the marvel universe it feels familiar but new and different and one of the things it does really well is keeping the protagonist or the protagonists and the viewer guessing and wondering Uh, and it was also a show that i had no prior knowledge of the character so i could just watch without any expectation i could just watch what's coming at me and I just liked the way that it was shot in terms of the character. It's almost like a multiple protagonists uh, going on and time jumps um, in awareness of the character. So you've got uh, two characters, Stephen Grant and Mark Spector, who are investigating sort of mysteries uh, around Egyptian gods and stuff. And they're inside the same body. So that's the premise. Uh, and it's a very interesting how they keep the the mystery and the suspense going all the way up to the end and keep you thinking way past the end because I'm still wondering like what happened and what does it all mean. <laughs> that is a uh, great pitch, by the way, uh, Nigel. That you put it in a really good way. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I have not watched even one episode of it so far. Oh, uh, shit. oh okay. yeah, I'm 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 definitely gonna plow through it. And yeah. you know, at, at the shop, everybody you know bullies me about it. Yeah. Um, but I I actually was watching. Peacemaker, so I didn't want to mix my superhero shows. Fair enough. Uh, well, keep yeah. Them, yeah, keep them separate. Yeah, keep them separate. But uh, yeah. that's just with that pitch, I'm going to go and watch it probably tonight. <laughs> <laughs> cool. There you yeah. go. I've, you give me one, I've given you one. So that's right. Uh, we're even. Um, and then I've also continued to watch uh, Demon Slayer. Uh, so I've watched a few more episodes since the last time I spoke about it. Yeah, still early, but um, liking what I'm seeing so far. Now, the thing I really want to talk about. The last time that Vic was on, I spoke about a basketball series, <laughs> and I'm now going to do the same thing. So I don't know if it's something about you, but uh, I have been watching uh, Winning Time, which is uh, a show based on, uh, so it's a comedy drama, and it's not a real life, it's not like a documentary, but it is based on real events, and it's the rise of the Lakers basketball team uh, dynasty. So without turning this into a basketball podcast, uh, so Tazzy, I will do my best to avoid <laughs> You'd that. You'd absolutely love that. I would absolutely <laughs> love that. So I'm, I'm showing some self-restraint uh, here. But um, So I'm a, a basketball fan. I'm currently watching the, uh, the NBA uh, finals uh, at the moment. And this is about the sort of late 70s, early 80s rise of the Lakers d- dynasty. So you're talking players uh, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, Magic Johnson primarily, but then also like the owner of the Lakers. So it kind of follows, it follows multiple characters, but you kind of pick up as uh, Jerry Buss, who is the, uh, who was the owner, his daughter now owns it, uh, Lakers, but he buys the team and turns what was, a sort of white dominated sport quite straight into something more flashy so you sort of more black players enter the sport but you follow his rise and I always like to try and take some themes or some like lessons from things where I can 
and oftentimes turn it into some kind of like entrepreneurial lesson but this is what it is because this guy he comes in and he's all he's all show so he's, he's very much about the you know how do we make this like like sexy how do we make it flashy and he comes in he leverages this uh, buyout of this organization he doesn't have all the money so he's like you're stretching himself there and then he's surrounded by people who doubt him he's running into problems with like his family his organization the coach and it is a struggle but he always puts on the everything's okay and we're gonna we're gonna make it you just have to believe and and all that and i just identify with that like i i get that not necessarily at, at that level uh, at least not yet but i i get that that idea that you don't have everything but you know what you want but like there's times when people are asking questions like you know about does he have the money is this thing gonna work <laughs> and in his mind i'm sure he's like i don't know but everything comes out like yep we're gonna do it we're gonna make it happen uh, i just like identify with that but then also just seeing from a basketball fan perspective seeing these players in their early days and what again it's not a real life story but it is uh inspired by real events seeing how they sort of relate and then particularly with the main two player characters so magic johnson uh, and kareem abdul jabbar and sort of almost like the approach to to blackness because the way they're pitched like kareem uh, abdul jabbar is quite a i don't know what the word serious let's go with that that word very serious very aware of his his place as a black man in a sport primarily sort of at least consumed by sort of white people and being in that whole space and then magic johnson who is for the people who is like the the entertainer who is loved by by everyone including the white players and seeing how they approach those situations and how their relationship changes and just seeing yeah the the rise of that uh of that dynasty so i'm kind of couple episodes before the end but yeah just liking this this is like automatically just in my top uh stories of the year so if it doesn't make the the top it's been a very good year for stories because as well as it being just a basketball show just the the way it's shot like comedy drama so you've got very funny uh fourth wall breaking moments you've got uh but very serious uh moments that touch on like real issues around like i spoke about the two players but also around the idea of like like winning like wanting to win and what that means and uh how that affects the the players and the staff and everything so yeah i think it's a great show uh the players the real life players don't like it which i <laughs> don't know what that says but uh, even some of them are suing uh the um the sort of director the makers of this of this show which i can understand it doesn't necessarily paint everyone in the best of lights but uh, as a show i don't take it as a you know factual drama as a show it's fantastic so really enjoying that and i expect to be talking more about it uh, at some point sorry in advance tazzy oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right i will move on um so those are the stories that we have been uh, enjoying uh now let's get to our main story discussion and today we're here to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the 2022 comic book film and the 28th, if you're keeping count, film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch alongside Elizabeth Olsen and uh, many, many more. You know how these Marvel things go. And we'll talk about some of those in a moment. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about uh, as many of the details as we can get to in the time that we have so we're going to talk about all aspects of this and potentially spoilers for one division i imagine has everyone seen one division yeah yep. 
okay cool i should have checked that before but all right we're good so spoilers for this film uh, i'm guessing spoilers for one division as well so i will do a recap of the story but let's first get everyone's quick overall impressions before i go into the recap uh so uh rich do you want to get started like what are your overall impressions of this film yeah i enjoyed it i i, I mean i really enjoyed it i don't think it's better than the first movie um okay. but it's a very different movie um compared to the first mm. i mean if if you're let's put it this way i mean i'm sure but this is something which is going to come up when we start all delving into it and this discussion starts to get underway if you're a fan of sam raimi director of like the evil dead the creator of hercules and xena dark man and obviously the spider-man tri- well i was going to say the spider-man trilogy but I don't count Spider-Man 3 as a, no, <laughs> as no, a, as no a Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man yeah, yeah. Then yeah, if you're a fan of, of any of those movies or just a fan of his in general, um, then you will enjoy, um, I was about to say Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And yeah, I like, like I said, I mean, is from what I can gather, it's been getting quite a bit of flack online from quite a few people. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, man. Like, like I said, um, I, I knew I was going to enjoy it when I heard he was doing it. And uh, I went in there and I left quite happy, um, in a nutshell, to be honest. All right, interesting. So, all right, Vic, uh, what do you think? So for this one, I think the best way to describe this movie is that it's quite rough, and I think it is quite rough, but it's a bit like his protagonist. It's kind of the oddball, dangerous, risky uh, movie. And I think I completely agree with... Rich, if you like Sam Raimi, there is a lot to like in this movie. Before how many things he tries to do and and the creativity around it and the sheer fun, uh, I think this movie is very charming and I liked it a lot. Uh, Jason, do you want to let us know what are your thoughts about this film? Uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, initial thoughts, I really enjoyed the movie. It does have some flaws and, and some things that I, I think don't quite work as well as I would have hoped. But overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I think if you are a Sam Raimi fan, uh, you're absolutely going to love it. Uh, if you're somebody who wanted to see the MCU go in a slightly different direction and, and try to be more experimental with, with what they do, then you're going to love it. And if you're a fan of strong central performances, then you're going to love it. I've really came out with of the cinema enjoying the, the spectacle. I really thought this was a, a beautiful movie to, to look at in so many ways um, because of the the nature of the way in which Sam Raimi produces his work. And I think the rough around the edges nature of it is is all part of of his charm and part of what he brings to the table um with any movie that he makes even with you know when you go back and look at the spider-man movies you can see that as well so so for me i i yeah i really enjoyed this movie as said it's not it's not perfect it's definitely not perfect there are some some issues there uh, that i'm sure we'll get into but generally yeah very pleased with what i got it's uh sounding good so far tazzy what do you think I don't know if you and our listeners remember when I was like, oh, I'm just getting Marvel fatigue. (laughs) (laughs) Think I've said it a couple of times. Well, and I really thought like I really would not care that much about the next phase of the MCU. I don't have Marvel fatigue with this movie. I'm like, okay, let's keep going. (laughs) I thought this might be the one. No, because it was different. It had just enough difference. I think it could have had more difference. It could could have been wackier. 
yeah, I was like, no, you got me again. I'm I'm here. <laughs> I'm interested. And I did I did watch uh Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, is that? Oh yeah, yeah. Beforehand. I did make sure I watched it. I didn't wanna So you got your multiverse fix in. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I need to need to actually finally get around to watching it. Oh, you've not seen <laughs> it before? No, no, no. Oh wow, okay. Oh, welcome. Sorry, Tazzy, do you mean Spider-Man No Way Home? Or oh, yeah, Spider-Man? yeah, sorry. No, no Way Home, No Way Home. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for correcting you, me. I was like, yeah. I, <laughs> the names get confusing for me. I'm just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, because Into the Spider-Verse... It's the animated one, right? Yeah, yeah and it's, yeah, it's probably one of the best, best movies of all time, straight yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I meant um, No Way Home. What do you think of that one, real quick? I enjoyed it. I feel like I didn't miss out by not seeing that immediately. Yeah, agreed. But that's just small parenthesis. Yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> there will fun. be a big shift in opinion in that movie in a year or two time. Yeah. Intra- All right. Potential spoilers for, into, uh, for <laughs> No Way Home as well, by the way. But yeah. yes. But yeah. Uh, so I, ah, yeah, that I got rid of my Marvel fatigue because I feel like my MCU's fatigue. I mean, obviously the, the TV series have been doing great. Yeah, in terms of, of like, oh, maybe I'll give the other films a chance. <laughs> Whereas before I was like, I'm going to be really selective with what, what I watch. I remember you saying that. So, like I said, I, I thought this might be the one. And I'm going to, I'll bring this one because I, I feel this this might have been one where it are people who have fatigue or if you didn't, you, would you get fatigue after watching this? So, I, like everyone else, I, I enjoyed it, which I, I was surprised with because in the first... 10 minutes to to first opening i had a thought flash through my mind is like i don't think i'm going to enjoy this and i think it's primarily because the way it starts i i found i I sometimes get turned off with the sort of big cgi battles in films i know like marvel films right but and it kind of starts off with that and that was like a i didn't feel like i got a grounding in in everything that's going on it felt like i came in at the end of something and i was like oh this this feels a bit disorientating and i'm not sure if i'm gonna like it but once it got settled and we established like the the goals and then who everything who everyone was to each other and, and whatever everything was after everyone was after then I'm like okay and actually i actually really enjoyed it and i was like this is i can see i think jason mentioned some of the rough around the edges bits there are some things that i feel didn't work which we're gonna go into but i left like yeah, actually, I, I really, I did enjoy that. Uh, I, I enjoyed a lot of that. And yeah, I, I feel uh, along similar lines of what uh, Tazzy said, it, it's different. And I feel the one thing going into sort of, you know, the next, next phase of Marvel is that I want to see different. Like, I do want some familiar things. I'm, I'm you know, good with the, the, you know, Marvel classic. But yeah, please do different things. It's not always going to work. Uh, I understand that. But I want to, I want to see things different. So I was happy to see that and I, I enjoyed what I watched. So, and I'm going to recap uh, what we watched and we're going to go into the uh, wider discussion. So, this is a story that takes us uh, in between dimensions where America Chavez and a version of Stephen Strange are being chased by a demon in search of the Book of Vishanti, not the Book of Ashanti that I first thought. Strange is killed and Chavez transports herself and Strange's corpse to Earth 616 where she is rescued by R. Strange and Wong from an octopus demon type thing. Uh, Chavez explains that the demons are hunting her because she has the power to travel through the multiverse. Strange consults Wanda Maximoff 
for help before realizing she is responsible for the attacks. Wanda believes controlling Chavez's power will allow her to reunite with the children that she created during her time in Westview. When Strange re refuses to surrender Chavez, Maximoff attacks Kamar Taj. Chavez transports herself and Strange to Earth 838 while Wanda uses the dark hole to dreamwalk, taking control of her counterpart so she can go see her children. When a surviving sorceress destroys the Darkhold, Wanda forces Wong to lead her to Mount Wondergore to re-establish the Dreamwalk. Strange and Chavez are captured by Karl Mordor and brought before the Illuminati, whose members include Peggy Carter, Black Bolt, Miss Marvel, Richard Reed Richards, and Charles Xavier. They explain that through reckless use of their universe's Darkhold, their strange triggered a universe-destroying incursion. The Illuminati executed their strange to prevent him from causing more harm. The group believe that Earth 616 is strange is just as dangerous, but before judgment is made, Wanda shows up and brutally kills all of the Illuminati members. Strange flees with Chavez and his ex-fiancee Christine Palmer, who is in this that universe a scientist working with the Illuminati. Strange, Chavez and Palmer enter the space between universes to find the Book of Vishanti, but Wanda appears and destroys it. She then uses America's powers to send others into an incursion-destroyed universe. Meanwhile, Wanda begins the spell to take Chavez's power. Strange defeats the version of himself corrupted by the Darkhold and uses it to dreamwalk into his own corpse. Zombie Strange saves America from Wanda before encouraging her to take control of her own abilities. America then sends Wanda to Earth 838, where her children recall from what she has become. This causes Wanda to relent and apparently sacrifice herself as she destroys Wondergore. At the same time, all copies of the Darkhold throughout the multiverse are destroyed. America returns Strange and Palmer to their respective universes. Kamartage is repaired as the surviving sorcerers, now joined by America, continue their training. Doctor Strange develops a third eye as a result of using the Darkhold and dreamwalking into his corpse and is later approached by another sorceress who warns him that his actions have triggered an incursion that he must help fix. And Strange follows her into the Dark Dimension. The end. So that was a lot. And as I was watching this, even though I enjoyed it, I did think, is this one of the moments where the MCU becomes too much for problem for people? And it kind of brings me to my, my first question, which is, does the MCU have a continuity problem as well as a just a load of stuff problem? Because so this is a film that it kind of feels like you had to watch one division i don't know what you all feel like that but so before watching this i had um i have a friend who's who watched this without watching one division and he sent a message in our group chat and said it feels like i've missed a whole a whole story uh before seeing this so i don't know how uh you guys feel but is this something you feel that people had to watch one division to understand this story yes 100 percent. and is that a problem you know, when when I was doing my um, non-spoilers review for this, I did say that the, one of the cons of this movie is that if you are not 100% on board the MCU train at this point, 
in the sorry but there's no like patience or sympathy for you the the train has left <laughs> the station as far as they're concerned and this is a movie where you are expected to keep up with disney plus shows and previous movies and movies that feature characters that cross over into other movies like spider-man where home as was mentioned before and yeah clearly marvel studios are making no apologies for that um they're, they're basically saying this is how we we're doing our business now so if you're not signed up to disney plus and watching our shows too bad like because this is this is where we're going so yeah i think you do have to understand division in order to understand what is going on in uh, the multiverse of madness and in particular with uh certain characters and the arcs and, and the journeys that they go on so um yeah i would say that that is very much the case or or certainly i would agree with that yeah i was just gonna say i think it depends on your aptitude to fill in the blanks i feel like on the most part you need to have watched wandavision but if you're someone that can like that doesn't need to have all the answers and it can just be like, yeah, that character has a backstory. I don't fully know it, but, you know, I can at least understand that there's something going on with the fact that she's separated from children she really wants to be with. I think you can. I think you can. You can watch it without, but you just have to be someone that is able to, like, not know all the answers and fill in the missing parts for yourself without needing, like, every single little detail and fact. <laughs> Yeah, this was something that I was afraid of in terms of the shows actually mattering in any way, because I didn't want them to do shows that half matter, half don't, just either give me a story that is completely separate or just slide it in the, in, in the movies and make it matter, because it cheapens the, the, the continuity. Uh, and for better or for worse, we're going to see these movies becoming more like the comics and, and the comics are getting scattered. They're getting really hard to follow. They're having different universes, different timelines. And the thing that you need to accept as a comic book reader is that you just have to pick up a comic and enjoy it for what it is. So if you can't do that with this movie, then it's starting to you started to realize that instead of having graphic novels, this is becoming literally the Marvel comic universe on screen. So it will be a problem, but it won't be a problem for someone that follows the whole thing. I think this is the start of that. That's what I find. I, I'm watching the whole thing. So I, I think I've seen everything except, uh, what's the animated one? What if? What if? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I need to, uh, I watched the first episode. I need to watch the rest, but. Yeah, I think I've, I've seen everything else. So I, I'm in, like I'm invested. I, I find it entertaining, but also as someone who is creating comics and has some form of universe where stories interconnect in some way, I'm just like sitting back taking mental notes of what Marvel are doing. But so, I, so I'm in, but yeah, like I said, I did watch this. I'm like, is this where we get to, like Vic says, what is happening or what has happened in the comics where almost the price of entry becomes too high just like people are like i i didn't watch this so now i can't watch that so i'm not going to do that and then they just throw their hands up and then give up on the whole thing or can marvel do these stories and i guess the maybe the jury's out uh, in terms of whether they've done that here where you can just if you have a mind to take what you 
get and you know you can see some you can see where they've they've attempted to fill in those blanks or at least hint at there are some blanks and this is what you need to know so we know Wanda is missing her kids we we can see that and that's pretty much you know in terms of her motivations that's what you need to get but then there is a whole backstory and, and a really good one because Wanda's WandaVision is a really good show that if you didn't see it I feel like there's a lot of context and and nuance especially what I'll mention later what they've kind of sort of done to her character uh in in this film compared to the the show so that's an interesting aspect to this new phase the other thought i had in watching this is when you now enter the multiverse does this risk taking away all consequence and therefore stakes from the mcu if there's like there's another strange and you know it doesn't matter if this one dies we've got another one and we just go and get that one is that gonna upset the balance in terms of like story stories told um you know what this is this is me being a bit of a bit of a meanie in regards to like the universe and and like talking about do you have to watch this show to understand this and understand that and listen i've been dreaming about this from the age of four years old like you know (laughs) that you know so and this is how the comics are so now that i see in the movies and technically if you think about it the movies are slowly but surely taking over the comics anyway, like comics. I mean, um, Vic, you work in Mega City. I'm, I'm not sure how long you worked there for. Six years now. That's it, six years. Okay, you know what? I, I envy you working in a comic book store, I'll tell you that much. But like, but we all know, we can all say that print to a certain degree in the West is something which is is which is 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 struggling. I mean, that's 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 into my understanding. So in regards to like number one. That's what the Marvel comics has been based on anyway. It was like one of the first comic book publishers to create a shared universe anyway. And if that's slowly but surely dying, and then that, now it gets put onto like the big screen, don't come and say you don't like it. No, 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 no. You came into this late, yeah? I, I've, I've had to sit through years, yeah, of praying to Stan Lee gods, you know, and Jack Kirby gods, and waiting for this to come on, on, come on screen. So it's as simple as this. Make a choice, yeah? And make the right choice. If you want to know the whole story, go and watch this. If you don't want to know the whole story, like I said, you can go into a movie and you can kind of get filled in by, you know, with a bit of exposition saying, hey, did you do this last time? And then someone can be like, what happened? And you'd be like, you have to go watch the show. And that's, that's entirely up to you. But um, I don't know, like, like Jason said, this is Disney. Disney. Disney is trying to appeal to the geeks who do follow this and have been following this. But it's also a business model which is mm. powered by money. As the best business models are. Exactly. You, <laughs> I mean, you, you can't have your cake and eat it. Like, like I said, it's, it's pretty much simple. You've got, you got to make a choice. So in that respect, in regards to the universe like that, I mean, it, it is what it is. In regards to the multiverse and saying, is that going to be kind of a get-out-of-jail card? I have a theory about that anyway but i'm not sure if you want me to say it now if you were if, uh, if everybody else wants to talk and then when we start talking about the movie was the end yeah, okay i, I, yeah, I, I, I can bring up then about the risks though this is this is to me sort of fairly relevant because as long as you're telling a personal story and i think sam Raimi's really good at doing that as long as you're actually telling a story that matters the whole multiverse threat fighting that's all the cool garnish that goes on top spider-man 2 it's a great movie it's my favorite uh superhero movies of all time and because it's a story about peter and mary jane it's peter it's peter that and then he has the power and he's spider-man 
but it's a personal story about his struggles to go ahead and, and juggle the things in his life. So as long as you make a story about the specific characters, there is now, you know, infinite wonders and infinite kids. But what are we really feeling for is this Wanda and this kids. You know, it's it's this specific story that we're focusing on. So and it's the same thing that uh, you know it's 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 now happening in comics. Anybody can die in comics; they will come back. Anything can happen in comics; uh, they will restart all the time. So you, as a writer, you want to make sure that you're telling that one story in that one moment and make it matter. No, I, I agree with that. You can you can make that story. I, I guess I just don't want to see like I want. Tony Stark to stay dead because that meant something, and it. Oh yeah, and, and, like, <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to oh, like, see Endgame. I completely and agree. Yeah, he just turns up. Yes, his story is over, right? So if you continue that story, then that's when you start to ruin everything. I think what uh, the potential for like the multiverse has, especially after watching this and the Spider-Man movie, is that. Stan, it now open. It actually opens up for standalone movies to exist without people questioning. Like, oh, why is this Hulk like this when we've watched it? Because it's a different Hulk in a different universe. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and they can have a complete standalone story and not interact with the rest of the MCU because that universe just hasn't been reached by art like the main mcu universe and like when um just like that that all of these you know these infinite versions of everyone are just completely different i mean there was a paint world (laughs) like the spider-man from the paint world is not gonna have the same story (laughs) as the the first free like the free spider-man type the versions of spider-man movies we've seen I, like, I feel like it just actually opens up for like standalones that are complete standalones, but still it's like, well, that's, you, you know, that's from Earth 528. I don't know how many there are. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever number you want to throw in there. Like, and I just think it would, I think the only thing is, well, that I would want from it. Wait, wait which ones you say? You said 538? Five, five, I don't that's, know. I just made up that a That's all jelly beans. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, yummy um <laughs> yeah just as long as you're like i feel like the one thing that would need to happen is like just things being labeled correctly so that you know <laughs> which universe you're watching and that's it like yeah i don't care i i feel like it it kind of removes consequences but it doesn't because each universe is an individual version of that character and they are not the same person as well as labeling things, also it's it's now even more so on Marvel, and I think by the whole they've done a fine job at it of of making meaning in the stories, like the individual stories that I told. Like it's got to like mean something. Like you know, we talk about themes and things on on this show. It's like you got to make something I can I can think about. It can't just be at least for me. It can't just be like the action and the, the special effects. Uh, because then you're leaning towards like just being meaningless if this character uh, dies and there's another version in this or this happens and it's no it's, it's undone because we can just go hop into this uh, universe it's got to like, have some kind of human meaning in their films and uh, I think there is some of that in here so yeah I, I get that and 
uh, like I said, we like to bring on people who know what they're talking about. So we have a bunch of people who know things about comics. This is the part where I get to uh, sit back and listen. So let me just throw this out. The comic book origins. So what are the the comic stories that led to this narrative in terms of like Doctor Strange, even uh, Wanda's journey as well? I don't know, Vic, if you want to add to that. Maybe like Jason Rich, you can throw in and I'll just uh, sit and grab a pen and then take notes of what comics I should be reading. <laughs> Well, it's um we've seen this with pretty much all the uh Marvel movies. They've always sort of taken bits and pieces uh from a lot of different storylines. And I think that's a winning formula. Whenever you try to adapt one thing specifically, it never works. It's much better to understand what these characters are about and take bits and pieces and kind of do your own thing. And this movie is pretty much the same. It's it's taking pieces from you know, House of M is taking pieces from Disassemble, from Darkhold, which is fairly recent. It, there isn't a storyline where, at least not that I know, where this happens. Uh, they clearly wanted to finally show us Wanda as a villain. Because obviously we've seen her in, in Age of Ultron as sort of a villain, but it was more of a confused uh, person. But in this one, I think, you know, is like one thing that we haven't done that it's in the comics. It's her pretty much going mayhem on uh, all these heroes. So, so yeah, I wouldn't say there is one specific answer, but definitely with, you know, we can see, we can finally see a one that is much more threatening, and and that's been depicted in the comics quite a bit. She's very dangerous, and she she was quite underpowered in a lot of, in a lot of what we've seen in the in the Marvel universe, even though they tried to have her sort of go head to head with Thanos and you know changing the reality in the little bubble she's literally almost Dr. Manhattan in, in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of comics you know she can do pretty much anything and uh, we'll talk about the Illuminati later though yeah but that's that the Illuminati is where a scapegoat to finally showcase what she can do and what her powers really mean so I think that's sort of I guess one that you've indicated I think that's the thing that gets closer to comics. And also a little bit of a sinister take on Doctor Strange. He was always more of a sinister character. I felt the first movie didn't really understand that. Uh, well, this one really kind of, okay, so he will literally become a zombie if he, if, if he has to. So, yeah, I think it's more about sort of kind of giving us a bit more of extreme version of characters that are in comics, at least for me. I pretty much agree with, with Vic. I mean, like, it's one of those things where I think all the iterations that we've seen of Wanda now pretty much runs concurrent with, like, the Scarlet Witch that you probably would, that we probably would, if you were a fan of the comics or read the comics, that you would have read during the 60s, probably into the 80s or the 90s. And it's one of those things where it's like the character of Scarlet Witch is someone who's always been written, like, just quite willy nilly because there's no form of like true base to the type of power set that that you know or power skill that she has anyway so anything so technically even if you're looking at like you know wonder going against um going against thanos or wonder going to making the avengers go crazy and and or, or you know or wonder ba basically being able to take out the you know the the mind gem from from vision or creating her own version of westview this is all pretty much runs like how the scarlet witch has been written now anyway so I look at this, everything that's led up to this from every time, every appearance that you've seen her, 
I think what the MCU is doing right now, they're doing a soft reboot and actually giving new origins or giving proper origins to characters that have been around for quite a few years. And I said this, I said this for Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man, the trilogy in the MCU, has actually worked backwards. And by the time you get to No Way Home, you now get the true origin of our MCU Spider-Man in regards to, you know, the reason why he's decided to become Spider-Man, the whole reason of like, you know, that power, you know, with great power becomes responsibility and so forth. And so right now, I think this is what they've done with Wanda in this. So they've given us like a backwards version of, of her origin. And in regards to the multiverse, I you know, but once again, I don't want to go too deep because this is something I want to talk about now. But um, but yeah, but Vic is pretty much banging nail on the head. This is it kind of does run concurrent with basically the quite the let's say at least 30 or 40 years of how Wonder was written anyway, up until things like House of Air, more Avengers disassembled and so on. So what? But um I, I'm here for it. I'm interested. I, I was actually quite impressed of basically everything they did with her, but it's one of those things where I think you need to kind of read between the lines in regards to how the MCU is actually going to be dealing with characters now. Um, and it's, you can see that clearly when you're watching TV shows like Moon Knight or you're watching a film like Shang-Chi or you're, you know, watching Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or seeing, you know, the origin of Spider-Man but not knowing that is actually the origin of Spider-Man. So they're doing things in a smart way. I, 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 I definitely, you know, I definitely salute them for that. Yeah, and I think like Vic says, I, I think it's a good approach not to just say, you know, we're going to take this comic and adapt this comic yeah. singularly we're going to take i like what they're doing we're going to take bits from different stories and make our own thing i think that's the uh, for me that's the best way to do it not just like hold so fast to one particular story just like interpret and reshape and uh, remix where needed and make something new that's obviously based on a long history of uh, of comic storytelling yeah so in terms of the like the visuals because we mentioned uh, Sam Raimi and you know he has a certain style a uh, certain way with his storytelling and uh, some people might like it some people might might not but this is definitely a a Sam Raimi film you can see that in certain uh, certain place places I feel watching this you can also see the conflict the where maybe like the the Sam Raimi or the the director vision bumps up against the Marvel machine and this being a uh, shared universe and sort of other bits needing to be told at this stage but in terms of uh, visuals uh, I wonder what uh, for there are many examples but I wonder what stood out in the film in terms of visuals because you had a lot of interesting things to look at like you know from the very beginning where you know they're, they're uh, running through that sort of different dimension that octopus demon thingy was there anything that stood out to people in terms of like uh, visually or just general cinematography zombie strange when he like has the spirit wings oh and he just brings them all together <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just that whole zombie the zombie strange in itself but yeah just the way the demons is like flowing around him and he's just like manipulate them putting them together and then bam i've got wings and they made out demons how about that how that looked i was like man i'm expecting some epic cosplays to like <laughs> for this specific <laughs> strange because oh man halloween this year it looked awesome and just so not the usual <laughs> Especially marvel yeah, yeah. <laughs> disney's marvel mm. <laughs> like okay <laughs> <laughs> what do you think jason is there uh, anything that's that to you 
I mean, in terms of the visuals, loads of things like they 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 you know one of the strengths of this movie for me is the visuals. Um, you know, I I heard a lot of people certainly after I saw the movie and I, I kind of just was perusing social media as you do. Um, I saw a lot of people complaining about Big mistake. Well, this was after I saw the the movie. I'm not even mentioning the fact that somebody sent me spoilers in my DMs on Twitter, but there you go. Wow. But yeah, I know. You think you know people and then they do something like that to you. (laughs) You know, I I saw a few people complaining about the CGI and saying how it looks very rough. And I think that a lot of people have misunderstood or are not aware of Sam, Sam Raimi's visual style. And the fact that he actually likes his images to be rough and he doesn't like things to look very clean and pristine. He likes things to look sort of dirty and, and edgy because that that's kind of it, it suits the aesthetic that he's going for with within certain scenes within the movies that he's making. And and it's a through thread that you can see throughout his his work, what, you know, so whichever movie you pick, whether it be. You know, the Evil Dead movies, Drag Me to Hell, um, The Gift, you know, even Spider-Man 2 at certain points. Um, and even in the first Spider-Man as well, in the way that the Green Goblin is is kind of presented. He likes that that kind of roughness to those types of, of characters and visuals. So I really dug that. Like I dug the, you know, as, as Tazzy mentioned, the um, the scene where, you know, Zombie Strange is, is trying to control the demons and then uses spells to summon a, a pair of demon wings and goes off to, to fight Wanda. That was great. A lot of the scenes with, with Wanda in were just fantastic uh, visually. Uh, in particular, you know, I, I liked uh, the scene where Wanda attacks uh, Kamataj and um, when they go to hide in the bowels of, of the, the, the temple from her and they think they've trapped her in oh, the, the mirror dimension, she actually uses the reflections uh, from the mirrors to, to, to get back out. And there's that scene, I'm sure you remember it, Nigel, where she kind of crawls out of the, the gong. Oh, yeah. And it's like... kind of like, it's such a brilliant body horror moment. It's like really inspired by kind of, as, as I was saying to Rich on our podcast the other day, it, it felt very inspired by kind of Ringu and the ring and, yeah. you know, a, a kind of Sadako slash Samara moment where she crawls, it drags herself clicking and crawling out of this, um, out of the, the uh, trap dimension that she was in. I, I loved that completely forgot about that bit yeah there's it, was, also it the... looked so cool like just that whole bit was the reflection was it yeah it was it was amazing and um there's the bit as well where she after she's had a confrontation with the illuminati which is just pure sam raimi you mean murder it's not not confrontation like <laughs> <laughs> no i well, don't think murder is the right word either slaughter yeah. <laughs> the annihilation, yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're throwing words out there, I'm going to throw decimation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have confrontation with someone who cuts in front of you in a line somewhere. This is a slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I kind of undersold that. Yeah. Um, so after she has that, that moment and she's chasing Strange and... Uh, Christine Palmer and America through the tunnels and it's just pure Sam Raimi from that moment on where the camera is POV chasing them down the hall Uh, you get quick cuts of Wanda kind of dragging her foot behind her with her hair Mm. and and this oil slash blood all over her face and burning red eyes and her body's kind of twisted Um, and then they think they've kind of escaped her but the scene goes silent apart from the sound of her voice kind of whispering around the room 
um, and they use sound design so well in that scene. Uh, I, I know we're talking about visuals here, but the, the, the sound design marries up perfectly with the way that, that Raimi shoots the scene. And then you have the jump scare at the end where she just pops up behind American Chaffetz. Um, it, it was all just classic Raimi, and I, I loved that. And um, also the musical note battle uh, between oh, Strange and, and Sinister Strange was, um, you know, I know it's been done before, but it, it just was like really, really inventive and, and well done and visually stunning as yeah. well and again and weird. perfect marriage weird. of yes it was weird which is what it should be because it's doctor strange yeah. it's supposed <laughs> it's to be weird true, so true. you know it's it, in the it title isn't weird. it and, <laughs> and um that's the kind of comic book character doctor strange is so it should be weird stuff um mm. and i just love that i love the 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 way that they visualize this battle using the spells battle using musical notes that was um phenomenal so yeah for me in terms of the visuals those were the things that i really really loved yeah. sort of seeing. i mean i think i do agree with um you know the the majority in this one to be honest with you i don't think the movie looked that good to be honest with you uh but what you just talked about all true it was just you know phenomenal to 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 look at in the vision but there were some things that i think nigel said uh a few moments ago that they just don't marry with his uh, with his style of filmmaking. You have the very rough sort of like CG monster at the beginning, and it's inexcusable. Like these movies make millions, and they do not look good. Uh, they did the same with uh, with Black Widow. Uh, they really dropped the ball uh, on Scarlet on this one. Terrible explosions, just just visually a mess, grotesque almost. And this movie had so much charm and all the same Raimi that you guys talked about, which were phenomenal, uh, especially the camera work. You know, there is literally shots in which Scarlet Witch is like blurred, like with the red eyes. That was just great. And the practical effect on Strange when it's Zombie Strange. Zombie Strange was fantastic. Mm. But that's all the evil dead cool stuff. Uh, it's all the practical effect, campiness, roughness of, you know, what if Sam Raimi would do a Doctor Strange movie? And then you have the sort of set up CG stuff, which is, you know, it's a simple third eye. Why does it look so bad? <laughs> you know, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just make just make it practical if that's the case. You know, but are you saying is that because Jason mentioned like Sam Raimi wanting things to look rough? Is that a Sam Raimi make this look rough, or are you saying that's a Marvel not investing properly in that? That's correct. Yeah, I think I think there is definitely a lot of what Jason said about you know sort of. Him wanted to do things, you know, you, you watch Evil Dead 2 and you see the zombie stop motion, you know, things that they they could have done better at the time, but they really wanted to give that campiness of it, uh, almost humoristic. Uh, but this was literally just bad CG. And, and you know, I, I don't want to start complaining about bad CG and things, but, but we're talking about Marvel, we're talking about Disney, we're talking about company that can throw money one thing I would I would say, Vic. Sorry to to no. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, one thing I would say is that, and this is probably something that you'll you'll actually notice in a lot of movies, not just in Marvel, but in general, there has been a problem with getting CGI done in in Hollywood to the standard that it was before the pandemic. The pandemic has really decimated that that industry and that side of the industry. And to be honest, it's partly Hollywood's fault because what they've done 
is they've basically all of these smaller effects houses that used to exist independently of one another, the big effects houses have bought them all up and swallowed them up. And then when the pandemic came, it was like, oh, no, we can't, you know, we're, we've lost money. We can't afford to pay these staff. Let's cut them. So they've cut a bunch of people, but they're still getting the same workload. So there's now less people available to work on, you know, the, the same amount of stuff that was there before. And as a result of that, you are now starting to see the result of that visually in some of the movies that have come out in the past sort of year or so in the past 12 to 18 months where you you are now starting to see people complain more about the way that the cg looks and it looks like it's it's partly because of the decisions that that the industry has made in terms of how these things are managed so um yeah it's kind of to be honest you know there's no sympathy for hollywood on my part there because <laughs> this is their own doing you know they didn't have to allow all of these other studios to get swallowed up by you know the likes of industrial light and magic and, and waiter but they did so now this is the end result thanks to uh covid19 but sorry Vic, god no no you, you're absolutely right and my my flatmate works for you know studios he's working now on on flash and you know it's worked on dune and stuff like that so the insight uh i understand but you know we as customers and and ultimately reviewers and what we're seeing, we don't have any agents in this. If the movie is not ready, it's not ready. Don't put it out. Uh, aside, you know, money talk or you know, you know, the the, the actual outcome is the one that is going to stay. You know, uh, and it's going to stay for posterity. So if you're going to do it, do it right. Otherwise, we're going to criticize you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's partly why I had such an issue with that initial opening because it was so much CG and it. I it just felt I don't because I, I was sitting. It was rough, and I was thinking of um, a completely different film, but uh, the Batman recently, and again, completely different film. I understand that, and different use of special effects and everything, but just watching the Batman and thinking, like, I, I don't notice the CG. Just, I just, I'm just watching the film. Whereas yeah. in that, particularly in that opening, like, I'm noticing the the CG, and I don't like that. As well as just generally not always being a fan of necessarily the uh, overly done CG uh, CGI. But yeah, that's that's I didn't know that about the. Uh, sort of general sort of background to the industry, so that's good uh, insight there. But having having said that, I'd rather take this. You know, I'd rather take all of this and amazing ideas and vision, like Sam Raimi can do, like what you just said, than the other way around. Like I don't care if it looks phenomenal, but it's boring. This was not boring at all. Fair. So yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. It's just yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 different, and yeah, that musical note fight was just like I was like, what am I watching here? It's like really cool. So I want to get into like the characters um, as we do characters and themes. And um, there were some interesting characters, characters I like. Uh, I did want to talk about some of the new characters and we'll get to Illuminati. But I want to start with America uh, Chavez because I felt there was some what I would consider to be kind of shaky new character introductions. Uh, also, by the way, uh, America, the name threw me off because there was a line when Strange visited <laughs> Wanda and Wanda was like, why don't you bring America here and let them see or something? I was like, oh, that's quite political. I was like, what are you trying to... <laughs> are you trying... Oh, wait, the girl is called uh, America. That threw me off. But um, so, yeah, America Chavez, for me, she she was an interesting character. I like her place in the, in the film as someone who lacks belief in their powers and therefore can't control them. And her arc was about having to believe or having, you know, strange help to believe in herself so she can help win the day. But... I don't know. I feel that there was, she didn't have much like agency and 
I'm going to talk about MacGuffins later, but she becomes basically just like an object that is necessary to the plot, but doesn't have much of herself, even though I know there's stuff there. I know she has like background in the comics and even in the film, there were things hinted that added, that could have added depth to their character, to her character, but weren't explored. I mean, like Tazzy, what, what did you think about the character and her place in the story? Yeah, like I feel like she she was a bit of a, as you, what is it? What's the Oh, MacGuffin. A MacGuffin, yeah. (laughs) Because she didn't really have much to her, but she had like potential to have more to her, like with the the parents. But I also feel like that's on purpose because this is the MCU we're talking about. True. And so, and this is not her movie. (laughs) So. Fair point, fair point. Like, I feel like we're going to get that story. (laughs) Yeah. Like, DLC pending. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, if this if this was like a film that was just its own film, like a standalone film, I'd probably be like, oh, that's annoying that you've like, why is this character here? But it's not. It's the MCU. So yeah, maybe in this specific story, she could have had a better storyline. But in the story of the MCU in this phase of it not finished (laughs) yeah it's just there but i yeah i think yeah that's it that's it yeah no that that's fair that it it is the mcu so there's naturally more to come so hopefully she does get some of her uh, character arc her backstory uh filled in because i feel there's there's stuff there it's just we didn't see too much of it and uh speaking of not seeing too much so i'm gonna focus on this and then i'll open it out to any other characters that stood out but i feel like we need to talk about the illuminati because i so uh i'll hold my hands up in the in the moment i was like oh this is cool like you're seeing more new characters uh i know john krasinski has just long been like a fan favorite to play reed richards and even just the fact that um highlighting the Fantastic Four, obviously uh, Professor X coming in this, like, wow, that's amazing. And then the slaughter begins. And so one, the Illuminati come and go, and when they go as quickly as they came in, they were introduced and then just slaughtered and killed off, which kind of raises the point, what is the point of them being in that film? And then the thing that annoyed me was that this is supposed to be like secretive, like smart group of uh, people why were they so stupid? Because uh, there was a there was a moment where I think Doctor Strange tried to get across the danger in Wanda. He's like, he's coming. Like you guys don't understand. Like you need to you need to do. You think I'm the problem? Like she's the problem. You need to do something. And then I think it was uh, Reed Richards says like, oh, don't worry, we've got something for that. And then she comes, and his plan was basically I'm going to punch her. Like I. Love the Illuminati in this. I feel like <laughs> it was perfect because it was just a big fat joke and it was hilarious and it was like such a well done joke because tell me you wasn't laughing throughout the whole time that they were on screen. Yeah, <laughs> because that was just so, they were comedy. That was their purpose. Just I mean, pure comedy. That's the only way comedy. I could take it. So hopefully, I guess that was the intention. I, I that, Of course it was the intent, intention. <laughs> Everything about it was comedy. There was not one line, one moment that was not, even their deaths were done in such a comical way. Well, like even the deaths, I was thinking, it was like, it's, it was like watching an episode of Rick and Morty and just like... Yeah. <laughs> 
like their introduction, like when I was watching, it's just everyone was laughing and then a lot of it. And then there was bits that obviously not everyone got. But, you know, there was just constant laughter. I think there was one bit that I like, I can't even remember which bit, which I audible audibly laughed out loud at and no one else did <laughs> and I was like wow I don't think anyone got that joke <laughs> yeah I, I completely agree with Taz in this one yeah it was yeah. just it was just a big big joke and the fact that they like introduced characters like that you might have attachments to and then yeah. just killed them to like just demonstrate power as well and they were supposed to be like stupid okay that was the butt of the joke <laughs> yeah it, this is the thing about why this movie you know works is because just like that as he said america's there we're gonna get more of her move on this is a movie about strange wanda this is what it's about about these two characters and i feel like if they were gonna do what people wanted oh the x-men are in there you jack can show us up and deadpool now and all the illuminati and this kind of stuff kind of puts me off from the movie. Like, I have a lot of people come in the store and be like, oh, what do you think is going to be in this movie? I'm like, I don't care. I just want a great movie, you know? Uh, you know, I don't like what a lot of cinemas become now, like with Star Wars. Like, suddenly everything is a mystery. Who's raised parents? Who's this? Who's that? Who's playing who? And so that's not what the movie's about, you know? So having them mercilessly killing all these characters it was kind of saying like this is not why you're watching this movie move on one after the other one just completely slaughtered it was just so refreshing i loved it <laughs> okay yeah it right, gives me a different perspective on it i was gonna say something in regards to like the the conversation before in regards to america chavez i mean i'm not sure how true this is in fact i'll, I'll double check and then maybe you guys can put in a link or something but she was actually never meant to be in doctor strange she was actually meant to be a character in the spider-man no way home story which oh. kind of makes sense considering it would have been more of a teen flick if you get my meaning so i think that i think that might be one of the reasons why she feels a bit more like a MacGuffin in this story um especially considering like i mean there i mean i've Seen people go like oh but who's america chavez and i'm just like well if you don't know who america chavez is maybe that that's just because the character isn't written for you she's quite a new character but yeah but you can kind of see like the choppiness and how she is used as a bit like a, like a plot device but um i think yeah like i said from what i've read she was meant to be a, a stronger character and a more prominent character in the no way home and basically in regards to dr strange there was meant to be a thing of like there was actually quite a few rewrites or a couple of deleted scenes and i know that one of the deleted scenes was meant to be that Baron Mordo gets killed by Scarlet Witch at the beginning, but they took it out because it would have taken it would have taken away the the, the shock value when you see him in Earth eight three eight, and you find out that he's now the Sorcerer Supreme of of that universe. So yeah, so it does kind of like add up to regards to like sometimes where the film does feel does feel a bit choppy. But I thought I thought I'd just just throw that in there quickly. Sorry, but but yeah, you guys are talking about the Illuminati. I'll add on to that after. So I just because I've just made a point. Yeah, no, I mean, let us know your thoughts. I, I've I, I guess I wasn't sure because it, it felt like a joke and I wasn't sure if it was intentional. I guess Sam Raimi irreverence kind of thing going on. I should have uh, got that. So, but then the other thing is like, it. I guess it, it took up story time as well. So it's like, like I said about like America Jones's character, that I don't know, time could have been spent there. But I, I mean, I, I liked it for what it was. Just when I was thinking about it later, I was like, did they need to be in there? If they weren't in there. Could you just had the story? Uh, as it was and yeah so that was my confusion with that bit well then you wouldn't have wonder 
killing some of the most powerful characters in like two minutes or like a minute you know <laughs> i think that was i think that was kind of the point yeah no like nigel their whole point was to die that that's why they were there <laughs> they were there to be high profile cannon fodder that that was their purpose well, they serve two purposes, really. One was to get people used to the idea of the Illuminati, because they will uh, appear again in the MCU. I'm, I'm almost certain of that now. But two, yeah, to be high-profile cannon fodder for, for Wanda, so <laughs> so that we could have a cool action scene where people come out the cinema going, whoa, did you see the way she tore apart Mr. Fantastic? And blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that was the, the sole reason they were there for, and they did that. So... Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> cool. All right. I'll 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 take that. I'll uh, change my perspective or gain a new perspective uh, on that. It was it was a funny kind of, and they broke Charles A's neck. That was like wow. That bit was shocking. I thought the whole thing. I was just like, <gasps> no, that scene was magnificent. The, the, the scene inside Wanda's yeah. head. Oh, Charles Xavier, you snapped his head like For literally. <laughs> it was like. The disrespect. <laughs> yeah, I know. But she she could have used magic for that. Like, my she got her hands dirty and like, let me uh let me snap that with my bare hands. So yeah, so those are some of the characters. Uh, and I'll kind of open it out to if there's any other characters that stood out um before we go into theme. But one of the things I wanted to uh throw out as well was with the character for Wanda and whether her character was so I what I liked about her is that she was the antagonist, but she had motives you could understand whether you agree with the way she went about what she was doing uh, to get to her kids that's you know for debate but you understood what she was doing uh, why she was doing it one of the things i was wondering is that her her character and this goes to the continuity problem from one division because i felt that after one division and she had gone through the stages of grief she had come to terms with everything this felt like a reversal but i guess that it was the point here that she, because of the dark hold She's now corrupted and she's now gone back to, like, I'm going to kill everyone to get to my children. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's um, I, I think that was probably one of my major issues with the film was was that because as much as I got it, that it was the Darkhold that was influencing her throughout this movie, I think. Marvel did a pretty poor job of explaining that in this film. I, I, I don't think they did that very well. And there wasn't quite enough connective tissue between one division and this film in order for people to grasp what is going on with her and why she's she's taken the heel turn that, that she's taken in in um strain in the multiverse of madness. And um it you're right, it, it does kind of create a continuity problem. And this is something that that Marvel does need to watch for is that, you know, you've ended your story in a definitive way in in one division in the sense that she's gone through the five stages of grief and she's now accepted this. You've had one post-credit scene where you've seen her using the dark hold for a few seconds, and she hears the voices of her son say, Mom, help. Then come uh Strange and the and the multiverse of madness. And we're not actually seeing the the payoff from that that scene in a sense that they very clearly say, Mom, help. So if you wanted to have like some connective tissue, you could have started her arc with her believing that there's something happening to her children and that she needs to rescue them. And, you know, their, their lives are in danger or something like that. And then show throughout the film this gradual descent into into darkness. Uh, but to just kind of start her off at, at this point where she's like, 
yeah, sod America Chavez, don't care, I'm just going to get my kids. It, it just kind of felt a bit like, yeah, that's a bit of a sharp turn you've taken there without really kind of progressing the character down that road. That was a Daenerys Targaryen turn. Yes, it was. It, it reminded me a lot of Game of Thrones, actually. It did. But yeah, I felt like that that is something that, you know, Marvel Studios needs to, to, to watch out for because they it's an easy trap to fall into and i can understand why people and this is why i said you know you have to be on board the mcu trade now because if you don't watch one division the last time you've seen scarlet witch is at the end of avengers endgame when she's comforting hawkeye about the loss of black widow so you're like hold on a minute what the hell has happened for this character (laughs) to go from this point where she's comforting her friend to now she's like yeah i'm out to to murk everybody like it's just too much of a it's too much of a of a heel turn without an explanation as to why. So, so this is the 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 danger, really. But for me, yeah, I think that was kind of a, a slight issue I had with with the character. And as said, I understood that it was the Darkhold that was doing this, but they didn't really do enough to explain it. And Rich actually had a really good idea yesterday about how you kind of get over that. So. I was just about to say, I want to reiterate something I've said on a previous podcast episode of like, we don't need to know everything about characters in films. We don't need to be explained all of this. We need to like use our own like intelligence and just fill in the blanks and figure it out. But also like, I thought Wanda had so much depth to her and like the acting just made it even more incredible that I don't I don't need any explanation I don't actually need to have watched WandaVision to feel the weight of the emotion that is portrayed in there and just like people's lives in real life you don't know what everyone's been through and you don't need to know to understand that they have emotions and might have gone through something you can I I agree that I guess my the issue is that if it was Doctor Strange on its own, then yes, that that was that was fine, and it was a great performance. And and to that, and if it was Wonder Vision on its own, then that's that's fine too. That was that was great, and you saw that the five stages and everything. And she played that perfectly. It was the going from one to the other that kind of threw me off for a brief moment. But I get what you're saying about because her performance is great. You you felt like I'm a mother. I do anything for my kids, like wherever they are, and I'll if I, <laughs> if I need to take out this uh, this person and take her out to get that. I'll do that. So I, I felt that it was the the transition from one to the other. Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. Like I, I said to Richard yesterday, like whatever money you need to pay Elizabeth Olsen to keep her on the books at Marvel, yeah. pay her the money because she's yeah. she's worth every single penny because her Definitely. performance was outstanding, outstanding in this film. I think if I, I genuinely believe she should be in Oscars contention. For, with, with a performance like that that's how good she was and for me she she kind of covered a lot of the cracks in in terms of the 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 characterization of of where Wanda went in this movie um through the strength of her performance because she was just so damn good you know every time she 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 spoke about her kids you felt it in your chest and you were like Oh, man, like <laughs> I just want to get this woman her kids, man. Like, yeah, no, let me. I don't know why, but <laughs> let me get this dark hole. But I just want to get her kids so she could go be happy, man, and, and just live her life, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to to reiterate. This is in no way a, a criticism of of her performance. It was more just how I kind of saw the character uh, going along. I mean, like I, I I totally agree with all of you guys, but I just find I still find it 
maybe this is me coming back from like a, a comic book background, but it was just one of those things where at the end of one division, I still don't understand how people saw that end credit sequence and just thought that she was good. Because I was just like, the, the whole, you know, you watch one division and you're just like, okay, there's this evil book and this book is evil. In, you know, that's, <laughs> it's telling in the title, it's an evil book. You know what? And if you don't get that, the book is called The Dark Hold. Anything that's called like, you know, uh, the dark saber or the dark hold or the dark winter nothing good's gonna come from it so for me technically like when i yeah. saw the end of one division and i saw her messing around with the books i was just like yeah you know what you may have and this is the thing where it's like 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 jason said or like we're all saying is that the connective tissue i think would have been good by the time we get to dr strange is that a lot of people seem to miss that there's quite a lot of darkness in marvel and any whenever there's any form of like a win there's always a little, like a little bit of a loss that people seem to like just kind of like gloss over so i so for me when i when i watch one division like i like the fact that she has gone through these stages but that doesn't mean she's cured that doesn't mean she's better you know like it's, it's clear in the credit sequence where she's still yearning she's not like oh i wonder how they're getting on there's a yearning for these yeah. kids that she has Really? And by the time you get to yeah, you know, and by the time she gets to one um multiverse of madness, it, like I said, like people keep on saying that the, you know Marvel movies are for kids. They're not for kids. You just need, like I said, it's about reading between the lines. She's willing to kill another kid. Another child, yeah. To have her kids. <laughs> I don't know this kid. That's, <laughs> it's like, you not know my kids. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not. I know I'm not allowed to swear in this podcast. So I'm gonna like deviate. That's some dark ish. <laughs> yeah, like you know. <laughs> Thank you. But, you saved um, my editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries, man. But but basically, what I was saying to Jason is, and it's something that I've been saying for quite a few years. What the MCU, what the MCU is missing is basically the one shot. They need to bring back the one shots. Like just that little five, ten little minute movies that just bridges this one thing, you know, this one movie to this movie or this TV show to this. And I would have loved to have seen like a little, you know, 10 minute one shot. And I actually had the pictures there on, on our podcast and it would have been like Wanda maybe messing about with the dark cold. And you're basically seeing her slowly but surely descend into this whole like, you know, this this madness that, you know, I you know, or this yearning to save what, you know, what is technically her kids, but not her kids. But then I also would have done like, you know, maybe inside that one shot, maybe shown a bit more of America Chavez with Defender Strange. You know, like, you know, like basically how what they used to do is that remember the end credit sequences of the MCU used to literally be end credit sequences. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but as we've gone into uh, further along into the phases, what they've done is that the, ed- the end credit sequences are now just scenes in the movie. So it's so some of them are starting to become a feel that starts to become and feel a bit lazy. But yeah, but that's so. But I that's just my ten pence into it in regards to say like people that didn't understand the you know Wanda going to it. She she never made it. She went yeah. through the steps and she never made it. Like that's that's like like as you said, that's life. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know? Also, because I love I love everything you've just said. Like we leave at the end of Wonder Vision, we leave her alone, completely alone. She's alone. So she's been alone for some time. And I think we can all relate to that now. (laughs) It's not even something that... So she's been isolated with a book called The Dark Hold, literally. (laughs) What else is going to have a dark hold on someone? There's no two cents about it. Yeah, the dark hold with Twitter, and that could be any one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's like she's been sat there. Man, she might have gone through the stages of grief, but then she's sat there on her own. 
and anyone reliving a reliving a traumatic experience because she's watching it by herself with a book that was called The Dark Hold. <laughs> and we know she's been alone when we get to her in Doctor Strange. In Doctor Strange. And then we also know that we also meet halfway through, which is something that a lot of Marvel films do anyway. It's like filling in the gaps halfway through. So like you might not know at the beginning, but by the end, if you, you then go back, you'd be like, oh yeah. That when we see dark Doctor Strange, that like we're like, oh, this is the extent of what a dark hold can do. Yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't I, think I, it misses it at all. Being called, like you said, aside <laughs> from the being being called the dark hold. I mean <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wait, you know. you of all like the that. dark things, it literally <laughs> yeah. says what it does on the tin. <laughs> there is um, there is another element to consider that's quite visual. Uh, when she's in the orchard and you seem like, oh, everything is fine, that's kind of literally a representation of kind of where we left things off, but how things really are inside of her. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not over this. These are my kids, and I lost my husband, I lost everything. And and the orchard just goes away, and she's in a desert of nothingness, and everything is red. So that that also is kind of a uh, you know a plus one on that transition. I I do agree. Like, could the transition be better? Probably. But also, if you think about if you think about WandaVision, I kind of felt that towards the end there was a bit of you know murky morality there, as in like oh. She's a victim. She's the, she's the hero, and and you know I think Monica's got a line when she says like they don't understand what you've been through. It's like no no they they were they were literally screaming in pain inside of them and like crying and she 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 this for me this movie actually made the ending for Wonder Vision feel better. It felt like an actual payoff of what we just watched a villain in the making. You know mm. she's gone mm. through all this pain you know, literally created kids and, and, and had to kill them, tapped them in the bed, and you're telling me that she's now going back to be an Avenger. It's it's just, it, it was, that ending for me was not actually kind of satisfying. It was like, no, 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 I want to see, you know, what's the payoff to all this trauma, you know? And, and it was great because in this one, she's a phenomenal villain. It's finally a great Marvel villain that has an actual reason to do the thing that she does. Obviously, she's deranged, but she's, uh, you know, the amazing line, you know, I'm not a monster, I'm a mother. That's that's phenomenal. You know, every villain, every worthy villain thinks he's the hero. They're the hero of their own story. You know, so she's like, I just want my kids back. I'm going to be nice to you. This has been me nice multiple yeah, times. <laughs> right. Maybe reasonable. And, you know, it was kind of a little retcon of how they left things off with WandaVision, as if that was just an isolated case, you know? It's just like, no, 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 she's, she's going to lose her mind on this. And, uh, and I think that forged a, a, one of the best villains that we had in, in the, the whole universe. Cool. All right. I feel like uh, I'm learning. I'm gaining a new perspective uh, in this. I look at it, look at it differently. Uh, and I take back my uh, Daenerys Targaryen quote. That, that was harsh. I shouldn't have. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. that was, uh, uh, there's there's no turn quicker than that one in uh, television history. Uh, I think you have to go to the uh, WWE to see a heel turn that quick uh, and that out of place. All right. So yeah, I mean, we've spoken about like some of the characters. Uh, I do sort of before we end, just touch on on the themes because 
like I said, when Marvel go deeper into this this multiverse and uh, pulling things from different universes, there has to be some meaning, there has to be some themes. And I feel like for every individual story, there needs to be something that uh, that is there of substance. So uh, there were a few things that I uh, picked up on. I'll sort of run through these and you can all let me know what you think. Uh, I think one of the first ones around America was sort of getting a handle on your fears because she was a character who couldn't get control of her powers and they only manifested when she was feeling extremely scared, extremely fearful. And then her arc or part of her arc was to, you know, believe and gain control of powers, uh, get hold of that that fear. And we saw, you know, speaking about the depth of her character, we saw some of the motivation behind that, losing her parents because of her powers. So uh, I quite like that. One of the things that was uh, interesting to me was the the idea of like being happy and, and content with what you have. So uh, Doctor Strange was asked, uh, I think at the wedding first, like if he's happy, and he gave that answer of like, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 happy, um, sort of lying to himself. And then you have this story about where his arc is seeing the, I guess the consequences of his choices because he loses his fiance like in every uh, in every universe uh, because of who he is he's told uh, and it kind of links into the uh, other one in terms of like control but um yeah so being happy with where he where he is so he as they cross different dimensions he gets to you know think about the the choices and the regrets that he has and i feel like him and wanda like share that they definitely share the other theme, which is like the need for control. And Strange, who is a character who loses the use of his hands, but is unable to control realities. And he's told by his uh, former fiance that he always needs to be one, the one to hold the knife, take hold of the knife. And think for him and Wanda, there's a big theme around control and being able to control the outcomes and doing whatever you can you know willing to do whatever to take control and then the the consequences of that so if those like spoke to anyone at all yeah no i was gonna say that actually one of the themes that i that when i was thinking about it that isn't very apparent well i mean it might just be something that i see as well but it's still a theme that carries on from the first movie and it's the concept of time like time is relative so like you've got the first movie where it's literally about time in itself like you know you can go back you can go forward you know and whatever and you can make a choice and then you've got this one where it's basically you know it's dealing with a form of space time and space go hand in hand you know it's, it's all relative and it's just one of those things where it's like it's about and it, like you said at the beginning it reminds me about something it reminds me of something that um that christine says to Stacey Stephen Strange, where, and it's something that Jason reminded me of yesterday, where she says, you always have to be the one to hold the scalpel. So that would then basically go hand in hand of what you're saying about Stephen Strange always have to be in control or want to having to be in control. And then, then you go, you know, about, you know, having been, could be in control of your time. Whereas like with this one, time, well, if you think about it, time, you can go backwards and forwards. And then with space, you can go backwards and forwards or left and right, or, you know, in all eight, di all eight directions. So it's one of those things where it's like, there's a, it's about moments. That's what it is. It's about there's never the right time. There's never the wrong time. There's just time. And whatever happens, happens. And you go to the multiverse and you've got one multiverse where this person has become this. And you go to another multiverse and you can see that this has happened. So you look at Spider-Way, No Way Home. And you can see that different people from different times and different periods 
have now had an impact on this Spider-Man, which has created our Spider-Man. And you look at this Doctor Strange, who's basically had to travel the multiverse to finally understand that, you know what, I'm not in control of anything, but what I am in control of is myself and what's happening right now. Hence, when he comes towards the end of the movie and he goes to Christine, I've loved you across every single universe. That's it. And then he then fixes the watch. The watch, and yeah, mem- yeah. And remember, and it's the watch that opens up the the the, the little the final, the, the, vault the final place where he's able yeah. to get the book of Vajanti. So it's one of those things where it's like you've now got two movies that are kind of like dealing with time and space. But I don't want to go into my next theory now because obviously somebody else might want to say something. But I just wanted to add, you know, to your what you just said as well. But that's that's kind of like what I got from it as well. Yeah. The other thing that really kind of sort of captured in me was, you know, the, you know, at the end, like, you know, Doctor Strange doesn't get the girl, you know, like, it's just your chance is gone, you know, and and it's kind of like a, you know, like bittersweet message of saying just, you know, and everything you do in life, just do it, just, 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 you either go for it or you don't, don't be in the middle, you know, and you have, what was that saying, like, uh, a man has two lives and you you know you're born and you have you know your first life and then your second life is the one it starts when you understand that you only live once you know yeah. and you know if you're in a relationship if you love someone tell her say it tell him just do it because uh, you're gonna lose it you know and uh i feel like that was quite big in the movie you know and i feel like the movie you know the 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 presence of the multiverse in the movie uh, was warranted, you know. Uh, this is my problem that sometimes I have with the multiverse is kind of just fanfic and you know stuff for like fan service. But in this one, it was he had a meaning, you know. It showed you it under Christine. I showed you, you know, her expression if you would have said the right things, you know. And then yeah, it was meaningful. Yeah, I like that. That's a good. Uh, that's a good message. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Tazzy, Jason, uh, any. Favorite moments, final thoughts on this on this story. You guys have kind of pretty much covered all of the points, to be honest. So I don't really have much more <laughs> much more to add. Um, yeah, I think you know, in terms of the themes, you you all were spot on in terms of what you said of the themes. That's what I took from the, the movie as well. And yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm kind Ooh, of no, that's good. not great we, content we for a podcast, but um, yeah, we did I'm it, guys. <laughs> to come up with something else. So, I don't know, Tazzy might have something and save me. Tazzy, save me. Um, I've, yeah, I've, I'm very much the same. A lot's been said. I feel like there's more to be said, but that's with every Marvel film yeah, we no, talk yeah. about. <laughs> there's always we can go on and on and on. But yeah, I just think personally. I just think it was a really cool film. It was refreshing. And I look forward to seeing more films that are like, this director does a Marvel movie yes. in terms of like, it's got Direct their, vision. yeah, their the, stamp on it. Yeah. Within, I agree with that. Within the Marvel universe, because it just makes it a lot more of a fun journey. And then I won't get Marvel fatigue and I'll watch everything. <laughs> uh cool i'm i'm here for it so uh give me more uh, i'm here uh like i said taking mental notes so uh yeah that was our discussion on dr strange in the multiverse of madness uh 
as Tazzy mentioned, we can go on and on. Let us know what you think. You can always give us feedback on this story's, uh, this episode's story discussion. Uh, so before we wrap uh, completely, um, I want to make sure I give this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. So for today, I wanted to discuss bringing your MacGuffin uh, to life. So uh, this is basically a, a tip about America, not the country, the uh, the character, as I now know. So the MacGuffin is something I touched on in tip number 65 uh, when talking about plot devices. Uh, so you may have heard people usually like moaning about something uh, related to the MacGuffin in a story, but what exactly uh, are they? So a MacGuffin is a type of plot device. So we're talking an object, a character, uh, or an event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but insignificant in and of itself. So think of it as something that powers the plot, but doesn't necessarily always impact the story. So the term was originally coined by Alfred Hitchcock, who described it as the thing that the characters on screen worry about, but the audience doesn't care about. Uh, so while the characters will know the true importance, the audience may not be aware or even see it. Uh, a classic example of this is the contents of the briefcase in the film Pulp Fiction. So all the characters uh, that look inside stare in awe of its contents, yet we, the audience, are left out of the loop. The presence of the MacGuffin is not necessarily a bad thing. Some of the best stories ever made have in incorporated a MacGuffin of some kind, and I put Pulp Fiction in there. Uh, other examples are The Ring, in the lord of the rings speaking of the mcu the six individual affinity stones are six individual MacGuffins. a great example is the child uh, aka baby yoda aka grogu in the mandalorian who becomes uh, an object of desire for the empire and it's up to mando to keep him uh, away from their clutches Really, when you think about it, every single story is completely contrived anyway, and all the elements are made up to give the characters a reason to move from beginning through to middle through to end. So the MacGuffin itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, as with many things, it comes down to execution more than anything. So in Doctor Strange, uh, America Chavez is a MacGuffin due to her power to travel the multiverse. Our antagonist, Wanda, wants that power, and our protagonist, Stephen Strange, must keep it from her. So what's great about it is that we have a living MacGuffin. So like Grogu in The Mandalorian, a living MacGuffin gives the opportunity for an evolving relationship with the MacGuffin there not just to be sought after, but to impact and change the protagonist over the course of the story. So where the execution falls a little short in Doctor Strange is that America doesn't do much else but essentially be a damsel in distress. So she doesn't have a what I'd say is a strong character arc. So that's not to say there's nothing there. And we've talked about that already. We do see hints of what could have been more depth to her character with her insecurities and fears around uh, affecting control of her powers, the death of her parents uh, and her need to find them. Uh, but we don't get to dwell too much on that. And America herself even seems to have forgotten that by the end uh, of the film. So whether it's an inanimate object or a living, breathing character, here are three things to consider when bringing your MacGuffin to life. So number one is why do your characters care about it? So it's not always essential that the audience understand every detail of the MacGuffin, but it is for your characters. So the importance to them needs to be made very clear. And in Infinity War, we don't need to know where the Infinity Stones came from, 
necessarily. But we do know Thanos wants them to bring balance, or in his view, to bring balance to the universe. And why the Avengers need to stop him because half the universe will be wiped out uh, when he succeeds. So number two, how does it drive the story forward? So think about how the MacGuffin fits into the wider context of your narrative. So the MacGuffin must drive your characters into action. So it needs to be tied to your character goals and motivations. So what about what your characters will proactively do in pursuit of those, goal, of those goals and how the MacGuffin helps achieve them if it's not the goal uh, itself. And number three is how does the MacGuffin reveal or change characters and their relationships? So this is the most interesting one for me because once those first two points have been addressed, you can look deeper and think about what the presence of the MacGuffin will reveal in other characters. A good example, speaking of some of the best films ever made, uh, John Connor, who acts as the MacGuffin in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, but he's so much more. So he's not only a fully-fledged character himself with his own full arc, but he has impact on the other main characters in the story that we see unfold throughout the film. So think about how that can impact your relationships and what that says about your story overall. Uh, an actual tip for episode number 106. Uh, let us know what you think, as always. Uh, if you're writing your own story, share your tips, dump in our Discord, and let us know what you're working on uh, and how you might have used MacGuffins in your story. Or email us, feedback at mymatter.com. So, Tazzy, let's check in with our guests. We love to hear details about our guests and what they are up to what projects they have going on or any latest news so we'll start with wulong talks quick overview of who you are for anyone that's not been here before and uh any projects or news that you've got for us yeah well we're doing quite well we're getting the ball rolling again on the podcast which is great um for those that don't know us we uh myself and and rich have movie discussions and reviews and also discuss tv shows comic books gaming and and various things around kind of gig culture as well most recently we uh sat down to record our, our doctor strange uh, spoilers review so that will be up on the podcast channel very shortly and in the pipeline we've got a few other little things we've been doing i've been making um some short audio podcasts regarding uh movies that i recommend for people that have uh, a woman in the lead role uh, particularly genre movies so the series is called Shiro's and um, I've made a few recommendations so far and the aim is to try and recommend things that people aren't necessarily that familiar with there will be some familiar ones on on the list but yeah the idea is to kind of you know go for some stuff that, that maybe people have missed and things like that so uh, I'll be recording that as well at some point this week and add in uh, a couple of new ones to the list and Rich can tell you a bit about uh, his other project as well uh, Daydream Room Analysis so basically, Danger Room Analysis is myself and a, a friend of ours called Alvin. And what we do, we usually pick like some form of action scene from any form of like medium. So that can be like, you know, television, film, comic books, books, computer games, animation. And we just basically dissect it and just uh, wax lyrical, you know, what we would change about it, what we enjoyed about it, what we hate about it. And yeah, and basically that not on any form of streaming platform is, but it's on a social media platform, which is uh, Instagram. So that's every Thursday at seven thirty, and um, and usually every like I said, we just usually just pick a scene and just uh and just you you know basically go from there. Um, I've also started doing, uh, much like Jason, how Jason does his uh, is it worth a tenner? 
I've started doing short little reviews on TikTok as well. And sometimes it's to do with uh, just kind of like general pop culture news. And sometimes it's for reviews for a couple of movies and such. If you go on there, I, I haven't got that many videos on there as it stands right now. But uh, trust me when I say it's still entertaining and there will be some more stuff being put up there this week. Um, and yeah, and that's how we're rolling. Awesome. Uh, we will put links in the description, um, in the description, in the show notes. Sorry, God, we're on a podcast. <laughs> in the show notes uh, for all that awesome stuff. And Vic, what about you? So you can almost always find me at Mega City Comics, uh, working uh, every almost every day there. Uh, and when I'm not working there, uh, I'm what you would call a struggling comic book artist. And I've been I've been drawing a few pages for the Alison Brown Young Comics Master Award, uh, which is a competition that the Cartoon Museum is running right now. For Alison Brown, which was uh, unfortunately uh, passed away uh, for COVID-19. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys know her. And they have having a competition in honor of her, which I think is great. So I've been doing a few pages for them. And a lot of things in between. Uh, we just uh, shot a movie with Barry Flynn, Big Green Bean Production on Instagram. And it's a very campy... Uh, very, you know, same Raimi, uh, old school, uh, cheap B sci-fi horror movie. And you can see the trailer on his Instagram page. And I am the star of that. I'm the bad guy there. I love doing it. And that's pretty much for me. There is other things cooking, but I'd rather not jinx it. <laughs> Understand that. No worries. Um, yeah, thanks for letting us know about all that on again. We'll put links in the show notes for all of that. Yeah, thank you everyone for joining us and giving us the benefit of all your knowledge and just helping shift my perspective on uh, some elements of the film. And thank you to Tazzy as well because, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you made me think about the film in different ways now. Now I need to see it again. So uh, thank you all for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and consider giving us a five-star rating and review, which helps us reach new listeners of Story Discussions, new listeners and fans of Story Discussions. And our own stories are available on the My Matter website. So we have a number of manga-style comic book titles within our own shared universe of characters, uh, including our latest release, Serious Through the Fog. Uh, and with our gamepad uh, events, we have a Discord. Well, Discord for the whole sort of My Matter uh, universe. We can check out the Discord. Um, consider becoming a Studio 77 member for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the My Matter universe. And if you are someone who is interested in representation in video games or a young person thinking about making first steps into the industry, definitely check out our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign, which is now live uh, and we have launched so that future generations of talent will know that there is a place for them in video games. We want to empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry. So you can go to looklikeagamer.com uh, and check out the 40 players and makers uh, that we have launched the campaign with and keep out keep an eye out for upcoming events uh, and activities and how you can get involved. As for the podcast, we release new episodes on Thursdays that include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture like this one. 
You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, and until next time, stay safe and remember to never judge a book by its cover unless that book is the dark hole. Then obviously you have to do that, right? So take care, everyone. Thank you.